0: Okay, first things first, as I slide the cupboard door shut, here we go, big moment, I am now 30. Oh, yeah. Uh, and more importantly, I sent you a happy birthday message successfully you did. on the day. And you, do you know what? You are, I think, the second person to do so Wow. Uh, after my next door neighbour. So, oh, my goodness. Well done. That's, that's one for the books. I don't need to do it ever again. Second. It's good enough for me. I'll be honest, though. I uh, my phone, as you would expect, on my thirtieth birthday was uh, was receiving a few notifications, which was very nice. Lots of people uh-huh, uh-huh, sending yeah. videos and messages, blah blah blah. And uh, my notifications for Discord, which uh, we used, your listeners for communications, mm-hmm. uh, for whatever reason, were off. No, that's fine. And at ten o'clock at night, I thought, how strange. I thought, I, I'm i sure James would have messaged. And then, lo and behold, loaded up the Discord, and at 2.43am yes. oh, on my birthday, yes. there it is. There's the message. So, thank you very much.
1: It was, right in there with the scary ghosts and witches.
0: The, the thing is, I still feel awful for that, that one time. I forgot your birthday. No, I forgot your. I forgot yours
1: the very next year. I know but we're even. Okay, I know, but I
0: still feel bad about it. So <laughs> I will
1: always I think remember we yours. You recorded the podcast the time I forgot yours. It's also true. Mine
0: was way worse. Yeah, but uh, it, I know we talked about this, or rather, I kind of <laughs> joked about it. But yes, I I am now thirty, and that that's it's a milestone. Yep, it's a
1: landmark. I celebrated your birthday by barricading the doors, turning the lights off, and pretending I didn't exist because I forgot to buy sweets for the for the trick or treaters. No,
0: oh, nightmare. Well, I'll tell you what we did. Uh, myself and Graham were were here. I very much insisted to him, we this has got to be low key. It's got to be chill and just <laughs> just the two of us because yeah, I you'll know this as well as I do. Our giant family likes to do the big. Hey, let's get every single, uh, every single uncle and auntie and c- cousin and relative in the room, and then it all <laughs> shout surprise. Do you have a, a drop of our family blood flowing through <laughs> your veins?
1: Come on over, surprise someone.
0: Yeah, it's like, hey, we've we've booked out Paisley Town Hall, <laughs> which is currently thirteen degrees. And it's a hardwood floor and walls that were painted in the 80s. Enjoy! And the population of Paisley is up 10% today. Precisely. So I said to him, because a cousin of ours celebrated the 30th a couple of years ago in Dundee. Right. And uh, that event was, scarred me in the worst way. I just thought, that is my absolute nightmare for how I would celebrate my birthday. So in <laughs> yeah. pain of death, I told Graham, do not book or arrange... Anything like that, just the two of us, that's all I want. Aww. And that's what it was. Aww. And it was lovely. It was so lovely. Sounds lovely. So, giant old fry-up breakfast. Perfect. Uh, Graham's a very good cook, so nailed that to start with. Then we went to, uh, I'll be careful how I phrase this, not an adults-only golf, <laughs> uh-huh. uh, mm-hmm. mini-golf place, but, like, it's got a bar. Right. So you've got to be 18 or over to get in. Sure. Which is great, because it means that it's free There's of... There's a dress code. ...scheme wings. There is a dress code as well, Absolutely. So, it's called Golf Fang. Golf It's in the, the city centre. Fang? Golf Fang. Golf Fang. Two words. Two words. I, I don't Not really know... Not like just know. golfing, but with an accent. Oh, it might... Uh, well, there's two... Go- so, Golf Fang. Yes, yeah, so let's go Golf Fang. Oh, maybe that's what they <laughs> were... Okay. Maybe. For Halloween, maybe. Golf Fang. Golf Fang for Halloween with, uh, with alcohol, which was a lot of fun. Uh, lots of balls were put in holes. Oh, that's what you want. And I'll tell you the way. To celebrate a birthday. Balls in holes. It's birthday balls. <laughs> uh, exactly. Up my street. So I'll tell you, the, co- the course itself, not that challenging. However, right. it was uh, the atmosphere in there is lovely. They've, right. I think, hired 170 artists to d- decor the place. And it looks great. You know, it's is it Insta-worthy. Is it like... Vampire theme? No, no, it's kind of like everything themed. There's a there's a Simpsons hole. There's a, a Breaking Bad hole where you know there's you can see the two uh, characters in their yellow suits huh? in a van, like an right. actual van, which is just sits in the middle of the course. Sure, yes. making mess. It's actually
1: what they're doing. They're, they really are involved in the role play.
0: They're just making it. They're doing it very slowly. So slowly they don't move. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that was a lot of fun. So if you want to go golf, bang then do that. (laughs) To a place that doesn't have a Halloween theme, apparently.
1: No. Even though it's called Fang. Correct. Unless they'll rebrand in about a month. Yeah, I mean, the Simpsons did do Halloween episodes, but I don't think Breaking Bad did. Uh, No, no. Oh, wait.
0: I think there might have been a Halloween party in Breaking Bad. They both pass a Halloween check. If you count the like the amount of murderous deaths that were in Breaking Bad, then maybe it would count as like, <laughs> Halloween-ish. Killing people is evil, so it fits. Therefore, Halloween. It's like a Halloween show. Anyway, did that. That was a lot of fun. And then we went to Six by Nico ah, yeah. for a birthday dinner. Now, yeah. this is the first time I'd ever been, and my boss had given us 60 quid's worth of vouchers. Wow. And I thought, oh, wait. okay, we'll only have to pay, you know, seven or eight quid for the for the uh, tip. Right. Or maybe we won't even get through this, the 60 quid vouchers. <laughs> we got a drink each, and six by, Nik- six by Nico is a set menu where they serve you six courses oh. based on a theme. Okay. So rather than, uh, hey, what do you want from the menu? It's, uh, here's the menu, you're going to like it. Yeah, eat this. It, yeah, it's, yeah it's essentially, it. Politely. Eat it. And uh, yeah, we got a drink each. We got a a side or a snack each. My one was frites, which were a total of three chips, artfully stacked. For, I mean, very tasty chips, but only three of them <laughs> cost a fiver. the The bill for the night came to hundred and ten pound for two of us. <laughs> I thought, by Jove, I'm glad we had vouchers for that, because right, whiff, right. did you tip on top? Yeah, that was yeah, yeah, tipped as well, of course. Had to. Yeah, we don't need to do tips in the UK. (laughs) Anyway. They get a fair minimum wage here. It was was very unique. I'll say that. And the food was, in some cases, exceptional. In some cases, I'm like, I don't know what any of these things on the plate are. (laughs) But I will eat them nonetheless. Eating a napkin because it looks fancy. (laughs) So, yeah, six by Nico would probably only go back for my 40th. Or an anniversary or something. (laughs) Well,
1: (laughs) you know what? Going back in a day, that's not bad. You could have said, like, going back for my 60th. Make it the full on, like, double the age. But no. 40th. You've done it. 40th. That's a good review.
0: Yeah. And yeah, we finished off the day by rewatching, or in Graham's case, watching Fellowship of the Ring, the very first one. He has never seen it. That's the best one. Oh, I loved it. Loved every second. normal version or extended version we went for the normal one to start with because didn't want to scare him off and also four hours to watch a lord of the rings film on my birthday it's a lot it would be a big percentage of birthday rings yeah precisely yeah so we wanted to spread the rings out for the day yeah Uh, (laughs) yeah so (laughs) hit a variety of rings at different points in the day right precisely (laughs) that's that's what that's how it that's how it was played that's how it went and uh, we really enjoyed. I certainly enjoyed uh, the movie. I think he he liked it, and but felt forced to like it because it had such a uh, such a yeah. massive impact on my uh, formative years. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, I was reflecting on this with my my nephew the weekend. I wrote a Lord of the Rings fan fiction. Wait, you did? I did. Yeah, absolutely. Not, I didn't know this. Not like a like a romantic, uh, you know, no, Sam the fanfic, and yeah. Frodo. Yeah. Uh, Sodo. I mean, that's just the original. <laughs> also true. But my fanfiction was very much like just more battles and more death. Right. And more... Uh, was
1: Legolas being really cool.
0: Legolas was always the cool... I mean, I came out of the first uh, Fellowship of the Ring when it was at the cinemas in 2001 and said to my sisters, I liked the blonde one. Yes. And everyone was like, haha! He was, was a boy! Legolas is a boy! I'm like, oh yeah, I I know. No, oh, I thought he was a girl. Oh, yeah, I, was, I
1: thought he was a girl. <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay. Anyway, I still like Legolas. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I like fan fiction. I had all the models. I had uh, books. I had so much Lord of the Rings stuff. I was honestly in love with that franchise, Have you- and it still, it still holds up. It's such a good movie. It's such a good trilogy. Have you
1: then uh, watched all of the uh, behind the scenes stuff?
0: I've seen a lot of it. I've not seen all of it, but I've oh, seen. You uh, got it. Yeah, it's so good. There's there's some things you notice now with my thirty year old eyes. Mm-hmm. For example, every single time that Gimli is in shot, it is a tight close up of his head. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. You never see Gimli in, in profile, and if it is, it's very far away. Indeed, at a, at strange angles. If they ever want to to see like a comedy shot, if you want to show like. Gimli, uh, in comparison to the human characters, he always has his back turned. Yes. So little things like that, that if they if they did Lord of the Rings nowadays, and I'm sure we'll see this with the Amazon series. they just CGI it, yeah. CGI the entire thing, and you'd be able to tell a mile off. I mean, they did that for the hobby, right? And, it was, and you could tell a mile off, and it was terrible. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, so that was my birthday, and I had a great time. And thank you for the messages, for everybody who messaged. And for those of you who didn't, then it's fine, I'm not that offended. <laughs> have, you, have you had any thoughts, uh, Jim, about your 30th next year? Uh, not really.
1: Um, I've never been one for too much birthday celebrations. Um, uh-huh. I usually keep it quiet, so something relatively quiet. But, you know, if people want to celebrate it by t- going someplace and doing a thing, I think as long as it is with a party of people who I actually care about, it will be Great. fine. I don't want a mob.
0: Okay. okay. Never mob. I mean, you you could theoretically have one because of you know how much you are loved and adored by the masses. Oh, of course! Like I can't leave. I can't leave the flat without getting recognised by my neighbour as I leave. <laughs> Tell all our listeners in Belgium where you're going to be. Watch them turn up like it's a BTS concert. But no, I
1: could just do a repeat of last year. Could do a repeat of last year, just do a birthday stream, celebrate with uh, uh, the masses there. I technically did get mobbed on my previous birthday. Several hundred people (laughs) all at once arrived. Oh, so you did. Oh, that would be be great. They were texting us screens, so it was
0: fine. And because it's the big three zero, you just easily get that again, because people are like, oh, come on, it's the 30th. Go and, go and help him out. Oh, come, on. We all went for, oh, come on, we all went for an irrelevant birthday. We better go again this time. Yeah, We'll look bad. The, the sad thing that did happen, though, after my 30th was, I am stretching out these celebrations as long as possible. Right. And uh, on Wednesday... It's going to last for... the whole year. Uh, precisely. Well, at least a month of November. So, went out for dinner on Wednesday with Bex, and within four hours of returning home, had been so violently sick that I burst blood vessels around both eyes. What? Yeah. It was horrendous and it's also what did you have the second time i've been food poisoned this year alone last time was like seafood right last time was seafood well remembered this time was chicken and i think it was clearly just uh, chicken which had was off it tasted all right bad chicken but something in there was was wrong Nah. And i'm paranoid uh, about that every time i cook yeah was awful oh dear uh, 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 and even the fact you can taste it again Oh, like, once it's once it's returned Why? there you go there's the Mexican <laughs> ah. so that was horribly unpleasant. and then to top it all off, uh, heading to my uh, the, the family weekend on my lonesome oh, on the Friday. That's a shame. My car broke down. That's a that's a
1: that's a shame too. I'm going to call it a, a lesser shame. Uh,
0: Less of a shame, and also I was I was literally 0.4 miles from my destination when my car wow. screeched at me to stop and said engine failure hazard. Right, Turns so out it was overheating. My coolant was completely empty. So beef boy beef boy Colin popped out. Pushed the car the rest of the way, right? Beef Boy Colin put the car in neutral, turned off the headlights and rolled. Yeah, that's right. Because uh, I was downhill. Perfect. It was it was terrible and I'm paranoid about this car. I've had it for four and a half years and I do believe it's on his last legs. Oh man, just... But I still haven't paid it off entirely. So Maybe, maybe, maybe get it seen too. yeah. The thing is, I could probably sell it and that would pay it off. However, it is just... If I didn't need to have a car, and, it, you know, COP26 is on, so I probably could just chuck it. If I didn't need a car, I wouldn't have one. Right. They are just a drain on my bank balance. I agree. I don't have one. I'm so glad I don't. <laughs> I get to live, I like,
1: genuinely, and I'm not exaggerating, my life is so much more affordable. And I think a lot of it is just because I do not have a car. I try to compare my expenses to other people and wonder, like, hey, What's going on? How come I get to get by on such a much smaller wage than the average? Yeah, I don't need a car, and it connects every single time. Like it must be so expensive having one
0: of those. And it kills the planet. I mean that too. So all the more reason to ditch the car and learn how to fly. Welcome to Seesaw Parade, episode <laughs> two sixty nine. Fly with your hands, not a plane. Indeed. Uh, run off a cliff, see how that goes. I'm Colin. Whoa. And he <laughs> Whoa, is bleep. Jane. Bleep it. Uh, yeah. How's, go- uh, how's it going, everybody? Thank you very much for, for joining. <laughs> Please. How's it going? Yell right now. Say it as loud as you can. And thank you very much for everyone who got in touch with the show at ceaseoperate on Twitter ceaseoperate at gmail.com. And thank you to all the, uh, the bots and the spam yeah. emails that we get. We love it. So good. We love it. So Just good. to pick out one of the um, responses we got Ed from the Tokyo podcast. We were talking last week about the successful game to movie franchises. Right, yeah. And uh, he suggested. Lara Croft slash Tomb Raider. Oh, yeah. Uh, the most recent ones being Alicia Vikander. And before that, I'm sure Angelina Jolie did. Angelina Jolie did some Lara Croft, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He also suggested a, should have been better Assassin's Creed with Michael oh, Fassbender. Yeah, well, totally
1: yeah. agree. I remember that one coming out that we talked about that it had every reason to be. That was one of those where they just made a different thing entirely. Yeah. Put, slap, the, slap the name in the box, though.
0: Also added to that... I didn't realize Uncharted the game was the basis for the movie. Having watched the trailer, I was thinking it was like that Matthew McConaughey movie, Fools Gold, which was enjoyable crap, or the two Nick Cage movies, the National Treasure oh, fool's ones, Fools Gold, yeah, uh, which were also enjoyable crap, in Ed's words. So, t- to Ed, t- to respond to that, I feel Uncharted is going to slot very nicely into that same franchise, the sort of hunt <laughs> for <laughs> hidden treasure, and here's a white protagonist who's Scott my muscles <laughs> to do his thing or here's an a, yeah. academy award slash here's nicholas cage to uh, lead to lead the the roles
1: <laughs> those films are so enjoyable but, though. but, but they are trash they're really enjoyable they're co- they're so bad
0: yeah well dear listener if there's anything you would like to contribute to on the show get it to us at csoll parade or message us directly as tom robertson Recovering from shoulder surgery has done. He has sent us a review oh. of the start of watching The Boys, the Amazon Prime show. Fuck stuff. Which both myself and James are fans of. So we'll find out later. Yes. If Tom is also a fan you know what? of The Boys.
1: I bet you that recording that review for this show made the shoulder heal a little faster. I'll be
0: honest. I think he went through quite a lot of pain actually just recording. <laughs> Based on the amount of takes I have. Uh, he, he Pain... pain is healing right right and you you know you learn you learn from the pain so thank you tom really do appreciate it we'll hear from you later on but james it has been a a busy spell in the world of news and where better to start than a corrupt british government wow you know very perfect what a way to kick off 269
1: oh it's a good number
0: it's a great number Okay, right. Owen Patterson, let's talk about this. Has yes, yes, gone. He has resigned. He quit a few That's days a ago. a long story over the course of a few days. The Tory MP, this this story was very twisty. It was a classic, a classic Tory story full of U-turns. Right. So, so Tory MP Owen Patterson resigned. Yes. Um, just it would have been on Thursday, in, Thursday into Friday. Right. After the row over his conduct which was initially headed for blatant corruption mm-hmm, mm-hmm. before the government faced a backlash and said hmm maybe we have to be a bit more sneaky about this you turned and then Patterson had to go so let me give you the the context here that's yeah let's get the brief the brief version the Tory MP was essentially found guilty of breaking lobbying rules because shock he took around a hundred thousand pounds wow from a couple of private companies a Tory did this a Tory did this wow and lo and behold said companies were then essentially in the running or got long big money contracts <laughs> as a result yes which is. Sleazy to say the least. But it sounds so,
1: very familiar at the same time, like it oh, happens it does.
0: a lot. So, Owen Patterson was found guilty by the standards watchdog. Yes. And he was facing a suspension from uh, Parliament. I believe it was only going to be a month, like a month long suspension. Not even a big slap on the wrist, really. And then the government voted to change the rules yeah. on how MPs conduct is policed and yes. blocked the suspension. Yeah. So rather than say, okay, yes, Owen party whip to do it. you broke the rules, they said, actually, let's go to said rules, chuck them out, start again, and mark our own homework.
1: Yeah. Like, oh no, one of us got done this time. We didn't get away with it clean. Okay, let's just like change the rules even more so we get away with it clean in the future.
0: Now, James, you said there it was uh, ordered by the, the chief whip, but it was a three-line whip. Yeah. Just, just explain what that means. Oh,
1: well, So basically, the parties exist for a reason. And while oftentimes MPs get to do what they feel is best in their own time, when it comes to voting for things, the parties generally are voting in line with the party they represent. Sorry, the MPs generally vote in line with the party they represent. And sometimes the people in charge of the party, in this instance, it is uh, Rhys Mogg. Yep. Um, decide that a thing is so important that it needs to have everyone's backing guaranteed. So they put out a whip of different degrees to say, if you are in this par- our party, you must vote in this direction. So they all got told you must vote in this direction. Yeah. Apparently, some of them got like a little
0: bit of a, a little bit of a promise here or there in return for their votes as well, like they sometimes do. So essentially, as you say, because it's an important point, I want to bring it up in just a second. The, the the politicians of the in the Conservative Party were told to essentially fall in line. And yeah, because some of them didn't agree with this. Oh, no, I, I don't think many did, to be honest. And yeah. this vote was then held, and the UK government passed said vote to instead mm-hmm. go for the Commissioner of the Standards, uh, yeah, the Standards Commissioner, Catherine Stone, and essentially bully her out of a job yeah. instead of taking the suspension. However, there was then a furious backlash. Like a headline or two. Uh, well, there was a lot of people, particularly uh, internally, which then we found out was yeah. former Conservative Prime Ministers mm-hmm. coming out to say that this was, uh, without using the word corruption, corruption. Yes. there were the, like Within the party there was turmoil, which, you know,
1: says a little bit about maybe some of them having a little bit more integrity than sometimes, I suggest they do.
0: And so instead, U turned on the plan. Uh, to overhaul the policing of the MP's conduct. And instead, Owen Paterson fell on a sword and said he wanted a life outside of the cruel world of politics. <laughs> yeah, I yeah. thought, I mean, boo hoo, it... <laughs> world's smallest <laughs> yeah, violin. Cruel, the cruel world where I don't get to break the rules. The cruel world where <laughs> I don't get a hundred grand to get more money for these businesses. Oh no!
1: <laughs> oh no! Uh, yeah, which is like, which was uh, interesting, especially because while he was still getting away with it, he got interviewed about it and said that he. He would do it again. He said he did nothing wrong. No questions asked, it wasn't a mistake, and it was one he'd he'd do it again. And then later on, and he had to he had to quit because it turned out that he wasn't getting away with it anymore. Um, and that's that's kind of the part that you expect from these Tory types. Anyone who's still in the party and still representing the party. Uh, You expect them to more be along this line of break the rules, don't care, hope the papers move on in time. It's just this one time there was enough conflict on the inside and it gave the the opposition parties enough of... Uh, of something to yell about that they decided to U-turn, which actually surprised me. I didn't think there was yeah. enough noise going on for them to U-turn so quickly of this one. It didn't seem as loud as some of the other stuff.
0: Okay. Uh, two, two questions or two areas I want to explore. The first one is the fact that the government even attempted this. This is blatant I mean, corruption. No, yeah. Of the, I'm we. I know we've talked about you know the uh, corrupt Tory government before, but this is so blatant. Mm-hmm. It's unbelievable their own politician breaks the rules by taking money to benefit the companies who gave him the money. Yeah. And instead of saying, yes, you did it wrong, they say... Change the rules. No, let's change the rules. <laughs> it's so corrupt. Yeah,
1: but it's not the first time that they've been caught out in something and then wanted to change the rules in response. Right. It's not the first time they've been caught up by a committee and tried to dissolve the committee, for example, in response. However,
0: this time this time it was they were caught with their hand in the cookie jar. Yes, they hadn't quite got it done. So just give me an idea, first of all, why you think this was, why was well, this the move? Why did they just, just let him take his punishment?
1: I'm assuming it's because they, they're scared that the rest of them are eventually going to get investigated for similar things, because they've been taking money from big business from the very start of, for example, the pandemic, and then passing out contracts based off who they're best friends with and who's giving them the most support. Um, they give appointments to people based off of party donations. They give this and that to people. We found out that Boris got another free holiday that we didn't know about before that cost like 25k or something like that. There's endless stories that come out basically more than one time per week about this or that Tory, especially those high up the chain taking something and then their mates getting a big thing in return. And the part that surprises me is how cheap they all are. It's like not even extravagant amounts of money. It's not money that I can't imagine. It's very often just like five figures and the Tories are selling out for it. So I'm thinking they tried to dissolve it because they're realizing that if this didn't if this if this was across the line i've done a a few things that were similar to this or worse than this
0: yeah let's get rid of the rules before it comes after me too so so the one that comes to mind is boris and as you say it's emerged this week that he he was given a free holiday by zan goldsmith who was then in return given certain uh I was going to say rubs, yeah. that's not the right word, but you know what I mean.
1: He was, appointed, he was appointed to, was it to the lords he got, or was it something else?
0: Maybe the, the, the head of some committee? He may well have received a peerage as well. I can't, I, can't, I can't remember the headline at this point. I should look it up, but hey, I'm lazy. And also, of course, there is the flat decoration furore, which I don't believe has gone away entirely yet.
1: No, that was another instance of Boris trying to change the rules after the fact, and another thing in the chain of... Uh, someone is found out to have done something bad and Boris's response is just like, the case is closed, matter is over, we'll yep. move on to the next one without any sort of uh, repercussions. And this won't be the last thing. It's going to keep going. Okay. Um, and the only hope we have is that more internal conflict within the party stops them from becoming this genuinely totalitarian-leaning uh, government where they are getting rid of all the things that keep them in check and limit their power to... Uh, do things and just allow them to be so blatantly corrupt and give out so much uh favours to their mates and all of these things. The, the hope, because uh, they've got such an overwhelming majority of votes, is that the party has a backbone. We just aren't seeing that backbone often enough from the back benches and stuff like that.
0: Okay, so the second area I wanted to ask about, and why I asked you to explain the three-line whip, right, yeah. is because, as you say this was passed there was a f- there were a few tory re- rebels who decided actually no I can't vote with my conscience uh, conscience here yeah. I will stand against it however it still got passed and then for the uk government to u-turn it's embarrassing i believe it's embarrassing and also will have done a lot of damage to Tory politicians who did vote yeah. to abolish the Standards Commission, Yeah. Uh, and then we're, are now going to face their angry constituents who said, why on earth did you vote for well, that? Yeah. S- several of them got interviewed afterwards. Uh, and then their <laughs> reputation, precisely, the reputation is now damaged. I hope it is because yeah. they voted for this blatant corruption, which was then u turned. So, so how does, where does this leave, let's say, Boris and his standing among his own party? I'm assuming that they're still just having him ready as the fall
1: guy for when the Tory Party needs to move on to a fresh face once right. we're recovering from all the disasters that have been going on. And the more we see Boris's name put into the same headlines as corruption scandals and stuff like that, the more things they get to pin on Boris as they chuck him out the door. So it's not going to just be Boris messed up the pandemic. He's out now. Please trust us again. It's going to be like Boris messed up the pandemic and allowed loads of corruption. That was all his fault. And then please forgive us and we'll move on. So I think he's still being a useful idiot at the top. Um, he's trying to make sure that he stays at the top long enough that he's a, he, he he can move on himself. Um, and I think his plan is and it would be the Kleiber plan, of course, is to pin more of this on Rees Mogg at the moment because, I mean, it was his fault it happened, right? He, he did the whipping. Um, yeah, yeah. So I think I think Boris is still just the fall guy and they'll try and get all the corruption on him as well so that when he's out, Tory party, fresh face. We didn't do any of that. We just enabled it,
0: but it's okay. You can trust us. We had a game plan all along. Uh, the the sad thing, and we'll move on after this. The sad thing is I saw a poll from, I think on Twitter is the Britain Elects. Oh, Britain, okay, that one, yeah. Which just gives regular updates as to the voting intentions of the Brit- the British public. Yeah. I'm unsure if this was, I'm I'm certain it was after the Owen Patterson debacle. Yeah. However, it may well have been a, an old one. It still has the Conservative Party in the lead. In the lead, yeah. With a sizable lead over Labour. Yeah. So what is it going to take for <laughs> the people of Britain to say, hold on, Enough uh, is enough. Yeah, I can't. We cannot stand for this level of sheer no. incompetency and corruption. No. Well, I mean, well, genuinely, because this is as bold as it gets.
1: I, I don't. I don't know what the what the move is. Um, the I, like. I think my opinion is that the move for Labour is to actually be a leftist party again, rather than trying to be centrist, because that vote, the centrist vote, is already eaten in the UK. We're not a two party system. You're not quite. The centrist vote is eaten. It is already set, stood for. So if you go more left, more people will be inspired, even if, like, uh, they don't agree with everything. You see that with fi- figures like Bernie Sanders in America, where he got surprising amounts of votes from surprising populations in some places. And much like what happens here, is just uh, media bringing them down and uh, onslaughts bringing them down and scheming from centrists bringing them down. Um, so for Labour, they need to become an inspiring party, not just this like nonsense middle ground who never do anything interesting. I don't think it's going to happen. I think even if they did, it wouldn't really work because we have this established media interested in not allowing any significantly leftist leaders to exist in the UK. Um, so the move for anything to happen is like a Tory implosion. Like, for some reason, there needs to be another UKIP that comes into existence and claims something absolutely ridiculous that drags half the Tory vote away from the Tories. Okay. Um. <laughs> that doesn't actually have a harmful view this time, like, hey, Brexit is good. Um, I don't think there's room for that either. So I think we're a bit hopeless in the UK under, this, under the current system, especially with all the power grabbing that the Tory government is able to do and has been doing for years. Um, and no, I did see the poll did say Conservatives minus three, yep, three, Labour plus three, Greens 10%, but <sighs> Greens aren't going to get a seat with 10%. <laughs> It's just not how first-past-the-post works. Uh, Yeah, there's the big answer. It's convincing the population to vote for changing the system of the vote. But we tried that before. Okay. And they broke. They lied about it.
0: Let's uh, let's talk about the other big story of the week, and that is COP 26, which is finally happening in Glasgow. We are slap yeah. bang in the middle of it at the moment. Indeed. Last week we had all the bigwigs of the political world in town. Uh, Joe Biden, who was filmed falling asleep. Understandably, we had Boris Johnson making a speech. We had. Sir David Attenborough, we had all the, the political powers bar. Barack Obama walked into a building. D- d- indeed, we also had uh, absence from China. Xi Jinping decided to stay home, as did Vladimir Putin, and instead send delegations. We'll talk about the uh, some of the logistical issues because they have been... Uh, Well covered, Uh, certainly over the start of the conference. Let's talk about what this conference is actually going to do. So the latest news today, and this is from uh, the Climate Action Tracker, is that despite any pledges made at the Climate Summit currently being held at the SEC, the world is still nowhere near its goals on limiting the global temperature rise. So this new analysis... I can't believe it. I know. This new analysis calculates the world is heading for 2.4 degrees of warming. Sounds basically the same as all the other ones. <laughs> yeah, which is almost uh, two-thirds higher than the limit of one and a half yeah. degrees. This uh, prediction yeah. contrasts with a lot of optimism after the uh, the UN meeting last week, following oh, yeah. several big announcements, included uh, including the vow to stop deforestation by 2030. Wow. But this... Um, this projection comes as the Met Office also warned that a billion people could be affected by fatal heat and humidity yeah. if the global average temperature rises by just two uh, two Celsius. Yeah.
1: The only way they can avoid it is if they move far
0: away and, let's like imagine, go to cooler places like here. It concludes uh, this report. It concludes that in 2030, greenhouse, which is only... Eight years away, listeners. Very close. In 2030, the greenhouse gas emissions that warm the planet will still be twice as high as necessary for keeping the temperature rise below the one and a half degree limit. So, yeah, but Jim, everyone's goals are still for 2050. So indeed. It's, <laughs> so it's it's, fi- it's fine. So we don't need to worry it's, about it's it. It's fine. Let's before we talk about the uh, the kind of the protests, the logistical side of things. Let's just look at the big picture. Right. Is COP 26? is a leading question, a total waste of time. No.
1: Why? Because everybody that works behind the scenes connects with each other. This is the part that matters to me. Okay. I don't care about Biden falling asleep in a chair. I don't care about people doing speeches. I don't care about uh, the people in the front seats and everyone that's on the headlines. I do care about Boris not wearing a mask. What an idiot. He should be reporting him because we've got mask mandates up here. What I care about is that everybody's aides are all talking to each other and connecting and swapping details and scheming and planning because none of these big names actually do the work. None of them actually make a difference. They are the figurehead for the people that are actually making the effort and figuring things out. Uh Um, So these meetings do matter as a means to bring all of those no names together to collaborate and to figure out what they can do with each other and to help each other and to connect better and stuff like that. In the meantime, all of the big names are like putting on a good face for the public and then embarrassing themselves in hotels and stuff like that. But it's worth it in that way. Um, okay. I do wish it was less of a charade. I do th- wish that we could just have all of the actual brains meet on their own without having to do this whole big show. It isn't going to mean anything ever. Uh, but I think the sacrifice of the charade is worth All of that collaboration from everybody's teams of actual people who care.
0: Well, one of the uh, features of, as you say, people who care was the fact that around about 100,000 people marched through our uh, home city of Glasgow here on uh, Saturday to demand more action on the climate crisis. So this protest was the biggest so far. It uh, took place alongside hundreds of similar events around the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, Greta Thunberg, or as I should say, to give her her proper oh. pronunciation, Greta Thunberg joined the march, well but didn't speak. Also, sorry, d- brief question. <laughs> no one's ever going to call her that in the English no, language. she's Greta. But it is her actual yeah. name. <laughs> I-, I guess I would, like, I would transfix it, or transfix it, transpose it, If I was Colin Stone speaking in Denmark, they probably would not call me Colin Stone. It would be like... Yeah, something. Colin Stone. Yeah, but it's fine. That's not my name. Yeah, she's Greta Thunberg. It's fine. But but it's fine. Okay, so in that case, (laughs) Greta Thunberg. Yeah, yeah, it's fine. It's fine is the part that matters. Yeah, but it's fine. She did not uh, speak of this one, but other leading activists such as Vanessa Nakate... Uh, did address the rally. Police have uh, praised the protesters in general. They've only made, I think, something like uh, 50 arrests over the space of a week. Pretty good. And have said that uh, the gatherings have been non-contentious. And also the uh, protests took their litter away with them. Big change, yeah. Which I thought was a nice note and uh, good to to include. Makes a change. Doesn't happen often. Uh, Indeed. Greta uh, has been... Sorry, that was a mix of Greta and Greta. uh, Has been... Indeed. (laughs) ...giving various speeches across the week. Uh, she was down by the Clyde earlier on uh, I was Monday and Wednesday, as well as this protest on Saturday. Do you believe that that is making a difference? The people who are in power are seeing that and saying, hmm, you know what? Good idea, I, young people. I, I don't know if uh, her
1: speeches and stuff are ever going to actually affect one of the, as we said before, figureheads and their opinions and stuff, but okay. it, it serves a similar pur- purpose in where... Having figureheads like Greta who actually care as well means that everybody who's listening to her can have their opinions align and can understand the same things. So you get this population that understands more. Even if it's just everybody who's physically present, they all understand a little bit more. And some of them might have jobs that are significant and, and influences that are significant and the message might spread. Figurehead, figureheads like this are really cool. And I think it's a shame that uh, Greta gets so much demonization everywhere she goes as well by everybody who wants to hold on to burning the world down. Um, because this kind of a thing is is, is really good. And she, I, don't, I don't think she does a horrible job of it. She's not like... Embracing celebrity and stuff like that, she's kind of just floating about being pretty decent at talking. Um, so I, guys, I I support that kind of stuff,
0: okay? Well, yeah, you're right, you're right. I I feel you've summarized that well, and I know time is ticking down, so let's talk about the logistics of this. It's fine, yeah. COP26 was issued, or rather, the attendees were issued with around 35,000 passes, despite the fact that due to COVID. They were limiting entry to around about 12,000 a day, which, uh, quick fact, is about one in three. Right. There was, uh, in the opening couple of days where everyone wanted to see the likes of Biden and Johnson and the like, there were uh, around 20,000 people who attempted to get in through one entrance. Oh, no. Which was single file. Oh, dear. And the pictures, as you may have seen, were people queuing. For hours to attempt to get in. And then we had one of the Israeli, I think it was the Israeli climate minister, who was unable to get in because they failed to have an accessible entrance. Oh, not Uh, again. There there was also um, no sign language interpreter on the COP26 stage. And uh, yes, indeed, it was, sorry, it was the energy minister, Kareen El-Harrar, who is the, uh, from Israel, the Israeli delegation, who was unable to get into th- the actual venue. And then, George Eustace, who seems to be the UK government's COP26 spokesperson, uh, accused them of, of trying to use the wrong entrance. Oh, no. They, like, apologise at all. So, instead of, you know, being the, the host who says, oh, really oh, sorry no. about that, blame I mean, the guest. I mean... That's what we do. I'll be honest... Those are pretty
1: small bad headlines for a big event like this, especially in pandemic-y times. They're still embarrassing and pretty simple and basic, but we could have put on a whole lot of a worse show. And especially with like people like the Tories around, uh, it, could have, it could have gone a lot worse. Um, but yeah, there was... I think those mistakes are so avoidable, they kind of like boggle the mind. How are you not doing these basic things?
0: So so I agree, you know, the some of the, the feedback to that is oh no, that's just the old logistics of running a COVID event. But that to, to point out, you know, this is the Yeah the planet. Yeah. It's a pretty big important thing. And this is the environment that the COP twenty-six negotiations are are currently swimming in, which is an exclusionary ableist. Classist environment, yes, uh, which is essentially g- excluding yeah. the people who need to be there. In fact, one of the retorts that Greta had at one of her speeches was, "Welcome to the global North greenwashing conference." Yeah, because there was this accusation that essentially all the people who were talking and all the people who were getting oh, the headlines, yeah. Yeah. were basically from North America and Europe. I mean, they are, yeah, because we've already
1: done industrialization, so we don't need to worry as much as the other countries do in terms of how to grow. Like we should be supporting other countries and growing sustainably. But instead, all we're doing is like talking about banning concrete when other countries need it to grow. They they haven't done the whole uh, building everything that you need stage. Yeah. So a lot of our perspectives on what to ban and what to regulate are just not going to work globally. And it's only going to punish poor countries who are already behind. And why are they behind? Because we stole all their stuff. So we need all the perspectives that are missing from these from these places. And it's all, it's the same. We've talked about before. It's the same with like all whenever there's discussions about f- global finances and everything's always designed to keep the countries at the top the happiest. And it's not surprising. And it and it does need to change.
0: okay james let's move on to some lighter stuff entertainment chat and starting with all right what we've been watching now i have yes remarkably two movies mm-hmm. a video game okay and uh sorry and a video game let's end the list of three <laughs> do it, do it. and we also have tom's review of- and a full stop <laughs> full <laughs> stop. an end of sentence. Also, I have Tom's review of The Boys. So, right. do you have do you have anything to add to this?
1: I I, I don't remember anything that I finished, um, necessarily. Uh, but I have started something that I'm not going to finish for ages. So, we might as well mention that I've started it.
0: Oh, okay. right. Well, we'll come to that in just a second. Okay. I want to talk about... Um, I'm going to give a, a bigger review of the couple of movies. Short shrift to the video... Okay. And uh, we'll also hear, hear from yourself. So, I want to start with Last Night in Soho. Right. Now, Interesting. this is Edgar Wright's new movie. So, for those of you who are familiar yeah, very, with the name... Very good lad. That is the British director behind the likes of Hot Fuzz, Shaun of the Dead, and Baby Driver. And the other film that people forgot. The World's End. Yeah which it's fine it's just not as good i like it yeah i, I do. enjoy okay. it it's a good film <laughs> anyway this is his new movie it's out in cinemas now it came out just before halloween and in the cast you've got the likes of Thomason mckenzie who is best known from mm-hmm. leave no trace and also jojo rabbit she is the lead girl in that movie yeah anya taylor joy matt smith as in doctor who matt smith as well as the Diana Rigg in her final appearance. I don't know if there's a... No Matt Smith. No, that's Matt Baker. Never mind. I was thinking of <laughs> the Blue Peter presenter. Diana Rigg. Both of them are jobs. Baker and Smiths. Easy to get confused. And Terrence Stamp, who this is the first time I've seen him in anything since Get Smart. That horrendous action comedy with Steve Carell in it from I I'm think, trying to think what I've last seen him in. Twelve years ago. Anyway, I like that film. It's goofy and, and trash. This movie is uh had a <laughs> lot of hype behind it because first of all was Edgar Wright and it looked like a really different kind of movie. First of all, it's a psychological horror. It's not a yeah. comedy. It's not even an action film. It's starring this uh, this girl features this girl uh, Ellie who is moving from Cornwall to London wants to make it as a big fashion designer and is obsessed with the swaying 60s. And then, when she moves into her North London bedsit, she begins to dream that she is this girl, Anya Taylor-Joy, in the 60s. But, of course, there are many twists and turns, and suddenly, Mm -hmm. the girl that she is imagining that she is, Sandy, is dealing with a life which was far from the bright lights... And the beautiful big dollar money money right. of London town. Right. It's much sleazier and much nastier than that. Right. And she deals then with the consequences of that whilst also trying to make it in the 21st century. So it is very different from any previous Edgar Wright movie. And I thought it was very muddled. Oh, And I honestly didn't like it, Oh, which is such a shame because the cast in this yeah. is phenomenal. I'm a huge fan, particularly of the of the two female leads, brilliant actresses the pair of them. Matt Smith who <laughs> Falls into that category of just is always Matt Smith in his, in his yeah, films. Yeah, it's unavoidable with him, yeah. Yeah, we talked about him in the Game of Thrones trailer a few weeks ago. It's just Matt Smith in a wig. Yeah. This is just Matt Smith mm-hmm. looking like he's rocked off the set of Doctor Who, except instead of talking about fish fingers and custard, he's talking about, hey, will you go home with this old man? No, no, Which is no, no. much more unpleasant. Oh. <laughs> but he's just Matt Smith. Uh. Then there's Diana Rigg, who, for those of you who are, I don't know, in our our age group you would best know her as olena tyrell from game of thrones mm-hmm. she's phenomenal this is her last movie before she died she's brilliant always and so it's such a shame that the writing is so confused that you don't actually know uh, what is no. going on to the extent that's weird that, that's so unexpected yeah the when the movie ended you're thinking wait so 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 what what did that last scene mean what, did she did she imagine that? Right. Was that real? Right. And you're left with so many questions. They're not just the ones where, you know, I always use Inception as a good uh, example. Not like good questions. You're left with the good questions at the end of Inception of, oh, I wonder what happened. I wonder if that was that. I wonder if that was that. Fitting pieces together for years. The yeah. end of The Last Night in Soho, you're simply left with the questions of, how did that make sense? Right. Did that make sense? <sighs> That's a shame. What about that bit? What about that bit? And I think it's a failure of the writing because... You know, the actresses, the performers, they give it their all. And it's well acted, it's well shot, it's not very scary at all. There's a jump scare, and that was about it. And even that you could see coming. And then the the horror aspect is so banal that it fails to even register as, uh, oh, that's just a little bit frightening. It's not. It's not even remotely frightening. What went wrong? Because Edgar Wright is usually
1: so on point that you spend the next several watches of his films going like, oh my goodness, how did I not notice that the first time? But not in a kind of like it felt incomplete way, just in that once you've got the 100%, there's another 100% completion waiting for you to figure out.
0: I'm confused. Yeah, the only things I would I would credit or the only additional things I would credit is the soundtrack. Once again of course, Edgar yeah, Wright always. soundtrack, movies, he always nails it and he does here. It's great. And the editing as well. Editing nicely shot, nicely edited. Right. But it's the fact that the rest of the movie just falls apart, and it, oh you're left I with mean, that feeling of, I just didn't like that.
1: Yeah. A silver lining is that seeing someone make a project that is outside of their wheelhouse, even if it goes bad, yep. you hope that it means that their future projects have learned many a lesson. Right. So this is it's, it's bad news, but it's kind of exciting at the same time, because I do hope he keeps making interesting things, not just formulaic.
0: OK. Uh, let's hear about the thing that you've started. Right.
1: Well... In exciting news for most of the internet, because the, the they are the number one Twitch streamer. A critical Role has commenced their new season. Hey! Uh, they've got as far as episode three, which is already let's say around about ten to twelve hours of content. Um, and I'm greatly enjoying it. It feels so good to be back watching uh, the, the 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 greatest D and D show that I currently know about. Okay. Um,
0: and that's all I've got to say. R- look forward to reviewing like two years. <laughs> Sorry, why? Just to explain, sorry, two years. is that a, Do you mean two years or is that like a euphemistic two years? Well, uh, not maybe not quite two. Uh, I'm not 100% sure, but the
1: last campaign took two. They did take a big pandemic break. Oh, okay. Uh, but it's because it's a show that goes out once per week. They've now included one week of each month where they aren't going to be broadcasting the main show. So when they are looking at a full campaign of Dungeons & Dragons spanning hundreds of episodes, 100 and something probably, uh, yeah, two years. Okay, well, look forward to that in 2023.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: But no, if if you like Dungeons and Dragons, if you like if you if you're watching Twitch, you might as well watch the most popular channel on the platform. Um, it's just really good stuff. It's a really good thing to have on where you can kind of follow it while you're just doing mundane day to day computer work. Nice. Uh, so it's a really good filler for my time. It's a cast of very uh talented voice actors bringing characters to life, which is great. Uh, And it's a cast who are all good friends with excellent chemistry and uh, truly charming to watch. And I often find myself with those... You know those times where you watch something you really like and you end up with, like, face pain because you've smiled too much? (laughs) Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I get that, like, every single time I watch uh, Critical Role. Okay. So it's a pretty good review. And the
0: smile front, 10 out of 10. I was trying to think the whole time of uh, a Critical Role like a food roll plan I could come up with right? and failed. Right. So let's just acknowledge that I tried and move on. Okay. Okay, let's hear from Tom. Tom, thank you so much for sending this in. This is a review of... The Boys, which is uh, on Amazon Prime. There is currently two seasons online and uh, a third, I believe, is In The Making. So, of course, dear listener, if you have finished a TV show, a movie, a book, a video game, or maybe had a a critical role from a partner... then you can send us a review <laughs> <Yeah, exactly. laughs> at gmail at gmail.com or send it to us direct, as Tom has done here. Okay, before we dwell on what I just said, let's listen to Tom. Here he is.
2: Right, I'm going to do a review of the Amazon series The Boys, a superheroes TV show. And as someone who's not a generally superhero fan, okay, yeah. um, I was very, very pleasantly surprised by this TV show. Yeah, so I've watched stuff. the first episode. You get thrown straight in and within the first five minutes you get thrown into a situation where the protagonist we follow, his girlfriend is (laughs) accidentally killed by a superhero on the way to a presumed crime and he's literally left holding her dead hands in his hands (laughs) and wondering what on earth he's going to do. And this sort of delves us very quickly deep into the superhero world where things, as are as you would expect in a normal superhero world, except there's consequences and there's complication and there's the realities of money, Me Too, um, non-disclosure agreements, and consequences for destruction, um, which are not found in superhero films generally. As well as that, it's very funny, witty, sharp, with very good acting, excellent cinematography that makes it feel quite a real world without being overly gritty mm-hmm. like something like the watchman and not over the top glossy like most marvel films this to me feels a lot more sort of real uh-huh. um, one caveat on the acting the acting of carl urban is very good but i didn't realize until a friend told me afterwards that apparently he was trying to do a british accent <laughs> well cockney accent rather than australian which confused me But other than that, it's been a really fun first episode and I'm recovering from an operation. So I'm just about to sit down and get deeper into the rest of the season and really looking forward to it. And highly recommended for anyone who enjoys sort of dark humor. Yeah. And it's refreshing look at, in my opinion, what the world might actually look like if we had superheroes in it.
0: Well reviewed. Well, there we go. That was The Boys, episode one slash season one from Tom. I, would not, I
1: wouldn't have anything to add to an episode one review. Do you
0: know what? I was, was just listening to that and reminiscing about, oh, yes, ha, ha, ha. that was episode one. Actually made me want to go back and watch it because... Same. It is. I, I remember how much I enjoyed season one. Season two, I did enjoy to an extent, but that opening season, opening episode, great. Very much a, a set... Toner. No, that's not. That's not it. A tone setter. <laughs> set
1: toner, yeah. yeah.
0: <laughs> oh, brilliant. Okay, Tom, Tom, thank you so much. I trust you enjoyed the rest of the season. Please do get back in touch if you actually hated it. And uh, episode one's <laughs> tone setting set toner was just not quite what you were yeah. expecting. But I agree entirely. Right. It does very much um, tee you up for the rest of the show. Yeah, yeah. I'm looking forward to a final review of the, of the season. Okay, James, I've got one more review for you. I'm going to keep it short and sweet. I saw No Sudden Move Okay, a couple of days ago. Now, this was uh, Steven Soderbergh's new movie uh, who has basically... Um, written directed edited some of the biggest movies over the last yeah, yeah, uh, 20 yeah. years Aaron Brockovich Traffic Contagion, Arty stuff right Oceans 11 12 13 Magic Mike Side Effects Just Logan the highest Lucky. End of Cinema He's he's a talented talented man and we did uh, look at the trailer a few months ago it does have the likes of Don Cheadle, Benicio del Toro David Harbour John Hamm who's surprise surprise playing a cop <laughs> Brendan Fraser ah. back in the back in the the big time, Kieran Culkin, and uh, as w- as well as the likes of uh, Rayleigh Otter yes. and Noah Jupe. So this is very much a who's who of Hollywood in a Steven Soderbergh movie, and I enjoyed this. Hey. I don't think it's among his best work, however. Oh, yeah, I mean, yeah. As a as a film, as a piece of work where you can sit down, enjoy. A well-acted, well-told story right, of right. gangsters and mobsters yeah. and money-changing hands. No, yeah, he's and
1: got a few of those. Yeah, he's got a few of those.
0: D- dodgy uh, dynamics between crooksters who are meeting each other for the first time, which is Benicio del Toro and Don Cheadle, and how they work together and double-cross each other and do this and do that and this plot and these scheme. Right, right, right. It's it's, an, it's entertaining. It really is. It's on Now TV if you want to go watch it. Oh, I currently have that. Rather than uh, so do I, which is why I watched it. <laughs> if you want to go and see it, and yeah, it's it's fun. And do you know what I really enjoyed was seeing Brendan Fraser in oh a movie again. I know, right? And you're um, he looks uh, he looks very different to how I last saw him. And that yeah. is to be fair, I think the last movie I saw him in was Tarzan in what <laughs> 1994. Wow. No, actually, no, that can't be true. No, 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 no. It would have been. Uh, the Mummy. The Mummy. The Mummy. Yeah. The classic. The one everyone knows. So he is a far cry from his mummy protagonist. However, he is hes great in this. He only has a few scenes. He's great. Kieran Culkin. Here's someone else who... Sneakily good. I am a huge fan of Kieran Culkin. I think he is a phenomenal actor. Yeah. His comedic timing is nothing short of sensational. In Scott Pilgrim vs. The World, which is one of my favourite movies of all time, he's my favourite character by a mile. Oh, yeah, he's so good in that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's currently in six, He's currently in succession. Season 3 is currently out of succession. I will be reviewing that, oh, I've got to once, watch that. They've, yeah. once they've aired all the episodes. I can't wait for that. He's in this movie, and sadly, he is beginning to fall into the... Matt Smith, Tom Cruise, John Hamm stereotype off. He just plays himself. Yeah, it happens. But it that's happens. that's okay. With Kieran Culkin, I give him a pass because I think he's great. Yeah, and uh, yeah, this this movie is is good. It's it's fine. It's very uh, inoffensive. It doesn't have much repeat value. But in terms of want to sit down, have some popcorn, enjoy a cool movie from a well acted, well directed cast with a nice cameo at the end by a big name. Yeah. Chuck it on.
1: Sounds good. I'm actually going to watch it. I I do want to. Now, I will run you through some very brief reviews of things I have watched, but you've reviewed them, so I don't want to dive in. Okay, okay. Um, I did watch uh, Black Widow. What do you think? It's like a passable film. Passable film? That's fine. I totally agree. Passable film.
0: Uh, I watched uh, Free Guy. Interesting. Interesting surprisingly good surprisingly good film I, again hard agree I, I liked i thought the cameos in that particularly towards the end yeah. very entertaining i think it was very good that they showed us how computers
1: work in their world very early and showed us that computers don't work like real life yep because then the rest of the film i could get on board with um maybe it was an entertaining film and i did like he did he did say it was going to happen i didn't expect it i did not know all the ips they were going to pull in at the end of the <laughs> Or as the film progressed, uh, it was it was a nice surprise, and it was so it was all so cheesy and so stupid, but very enjoyably so. Uh,
0: yeah, I, I I totally agree. Free Guy was, um, as you say, a surprise, but uh, Jodie Comer, who is going to be. If not, if she isn't already a megastar, mm-hmm. uh, I, I think is great in this, and it turns out she is as scouse as the day is long. Oh, yeah. it's amazing. And the other thing I watched, that I probably should review in
1: depth, but you've you've talked about it plenty, and your your review is on point. I I watched Judas uh, Judas and the Black Messiah. Okay, and I I, I loved it. That was
0: incredible. Daniel Kaluuya, just give him all the awards. Kaluuya I mean, most of the most of the people did. It Was wonderful and rightly
1: so. Uh, Lakeith, as good as ever.
0: Lakeith can have my babies. I,
1: I would watch anything with Stanfield. Oh. It's it's honestly they, like this, and they did it so well. They did the story justice um, without like trying to paint uh, uh, any side of the picture yep. uh, too deeply or too inaccurately. They didn't. They didn't glamorize it too far. Um so very well executed movie in my opinion, and one that makes you definitely keen to read into the ongoings and surrounding stories more as I then did. But yeah, since you'd reviewed all of those, I, I forgot to put them on my list.
0: I mean, that's a you've been a busy man watching all these movies. Well, I have yeah, yeah,
1: a couple of weekends
0: worth. I've got one fi- yeah, fair enough. I've got one final thing to review. I'm only going to keep it to a couple of sentences. <laughs> I finished after a year. yes, the last of us. Ah, which is yeah uh, yeah yeah the yeah. video game which is becoming a movie in the next uh, eighteen months to two years. I uh, got this when I bought the PS4 in April Indeed. of 2020, about two weeks into the lockdown. Wow! And it sat on my shelf until uh, this time last year, and it has taken me a year to finish the game. Now I must admit, I have not been playing it. Very regularly. However, when I when I did, I would go through spurts, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and I would uh, I would get through it. Yes, I thought the game started very strongly. Uh, has has some nice um, mm-hmm. things, some nice wee like oh, this game does this, where you can crouch down, you can listen through walls, and you can see where all the baddies are. Some gimmicks, some nice gimmicks, yeah, right, yeah, 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 yeah. And I thought the cutscenes, uh, the actor, actresses, all did well. One of them is is one of the critical rolecasts, hey. just saying. But by the end of the game, I was a bit tired of the repetition. Yep, you're asked to do a lot of the same tasks. Mm-hmm. You know, for example, mm-hmm. the young girl in The Last of Us is unable to swim, mm-hmm. and in several of the um, challenges, push, p- push her on a pallet. You have to get a pallet. Push the pallet to her She jumps on the pallet yeah. And you take a pallet To the other side Yeah I think you have to do this At least three or four times Is she is she also afraid of water? Oh, I, I, one of the two By the time you get to the penultimate one I'm just like Ugh, I've done this Where's the pallet? Why can't I find it? Can we just go? <laughs> so Some, yeah. of, things, some yeah. of the things like that I thought were a bit repetitive But yep. when it was novel When it was new That's when I was really I was really into it So Yeah Pros and cons And they told a good story Great story um, I don't know what they did with the sequel but
1: uh no no yeah. like a sequel even I think my own talk on the takes on that was inaccurate at the time we can talk about it again if you ever play it I suppose but you've done more than me I gave up on that game halfway through because uh, I enjoyed watching it more than I enjoyed playing it and then I just watched it <laughs> instead of playing it Fair enough yeah and no yeah if you, if you want to if you want to experience the game before you see the film and you're not a gamer watch some playthroughs people have done excellent playthroughs of like Minimal commentary, only insightful uh, additions and stuff like that. You could find one to watch. It's a very good experience. Recommend.
0: Okay, time is ticking away, so we have a piece of news and a trailer to get to. Let's start with the trailer. It's for Stranger Things season four. Yeah. Here's a clip. Dear Mike, today is day 185.
2: I think I have finally adapted.
1: All right. Hold down to your butts, bro-chachos.
2: We will have the best spring break ever.
0: Dearest Michael, miss you. I didn't know you were in this movie. TV show. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, James, we looked at a teaser trailer about a month ago. Yeah, we did. And then I watched this trailer. Very different. And I thought it, I had to actually go back and check that we didn't watch the wrong trailer the first time. <laughs> Is it the same season? Is this even the same show? Yeah. Gen- genuinely. Is it? Well, no. What I
1: think what's going on is the same thing as every season so far where there's a team and b team okay. and a team is dealing with like the spooky stuff and b team is dealing with like the cia stuff or the like spy stuff right um and in this instance it's just that there's also a lot of explosions which there was not the last There's one. a lot of explosions um so like i think they've just got a different set of teams again They've given their with like some classic pairings and for each of the teams, but I think right. they are just. It's, I think they are hitting the formula at this point, where it's just Team A go here, Team B go here. These stories feel so completely different. Oh, we're reaching the end. Oh, look, the stories are overlapping,
0: and now everybody gets to work together for the last twenty minutes of the of the of the season. I mean, yeah, you, you summed up exactly what I was going to say, but also to add to that, I feel like and stay with me here. Right. Stranger Things is going down the Fast and Furious route, yeah, a wee bit, which is. Bigger and bigger yeah. and bigger every single time. Yeah. If you go back to the original Stranger Things, what I think made it work so well was that it was so self contained. Yeah, yeah. That. It was really impactful, but now when you're t- yeah, there's the explosions and helicopters and gunfire and lots of angry-looking men in suits, I'm just about like, do we need this? It did
1: lost me a wee bit with the with the the B arc of last season, right? If, uh, the I don't want to say too much, but there was a whole uh, situation that was very significant and very global, and I was just like, I don't buy it. So, there's more. I think there's going to be more that I don't buy this season, but I'm sure there'll be some things that charm me and make up for it. So, it's going to still be enjoyable.
0: I mean, yeah, I'm going to watch the show. I, I've, as I say, yeah. I've been invested in it, and particularly poor Mike for, uh, for oh. three years. just want him to be okay. And his haircuts. Oh. It's just never
1: going to look good either. And
0: uh, they've got muscles now as well.
1: Yeah, well, they've, 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 they've written in a time skip, so the kids have actually aged, and it's confirmed. Hey. We don't have to believe that a bunch of like late teenagers are 12 years old um but yeah it's it'll be fine and it it is never going to reach the heights of the early season it's never going to get back to that so they've just got to try and write some grand glorious ending maybe leave more threads to have spin-off shows and stuff like that because that's what we do these days uh but i i really am getting to the point much like you where i do hope it comes to an end Very soon.
0: Indeed. It's getting too much. But will it? And that leads us nicely on to Squid Game. Yeah. uh, The director, creator, Mm -hmm. and writer of which, Huang Dong yuk has confirmed this week, a second season is on the way. And I'm going to read the quote here, which was, there's been so much pressure, so much demand, so much love (laughs) for a second season... I almost feel like you leave us no choice. <laughs> you know, right? But but I will say <laughs> which, that there will be indeed a second season. Which,
1: you know what the sentence I think he was being really clever there, the idea of getting left with no
0: choice, because that's what the whole season of Squid Game was about. <laughs> okay. So I've got I've got mixed feelings on this. I'm yet to see the show. Life has been so busy lately. I actually really haven't right. had time to start a, a TV show yet. I am also finishing Mr. Robot first. Anyway, oh, so please finish Mr. Robot. We'll, we'll get we'll get to that, but. Second season, particularly with that quote, you leave us no choice. Yes. I'm unsure where the show leaves off. Okay, yeah. yeah and yeah, so yeah. I I don't know if it's written in a way where you can see it as if you're like, oh, okay, there's more stories to tell. Right. Do you feel like it's essentially going down the route of a show which wasn't expecting to get renewed and just was a show for for a show's purpose and now is essentially, as you say, as the quote says, left with no choice, Netflix wants it, viewers demand it, you have to come up with a show for the sake of it rather than actually being like, hmm, did this need a second season? Probably not. They left off season one, as you're saying, as something that
1: clearly planned to not have a second season or at least to not have a guaranteed one because... They closed off almost everything that needed to be closed off and then had this one little hook at the end of like, but the story continues, right? There was this idea uh. that, hey, the story isn't actually complete, which is just true of all stories, right? Characters, unless they all die at the end, continue to survive and I'm sure do other stuff. So I wasn't too keen on another season because I felt like the, 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 all the elder resolutions that had happened was enough for the characters that we know. Um, but I don't want to spoil anything. Um, The description of the potential season two kind of works for me because they're changing focus. If they try to just do season one, but again, I'd be like, okay, no, thank you. We've seen it, but they're going to be focusing.
0: Or But but you don't feel like with, with squad, squad game, with squad games, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Squad Jim's premise yeah, they just have to do the same thing again because that's the
1: gimmick, that's I mean, what the show's could, about they could do the same thing again, they could go like hey, 10 years ago, this is what happened and it was just the same thing, and like 10 years before that, this is what happened, it's the same thing and it's like, oh, and then like 3 years before that this happened, same thing, right, because it's just uh, the idea that this thing is churning on this machine has uh, been going for ages um, for the reasons that you find out about in the show um, like, similar to how the Battle Royale film a sequel that was basically the same premise. Uh, blah, blah, blah. But they do they do build on each other. But the descriptions of what I've had of what I've seen but might be future seasons is a change of focus. It's not going to be looking at the on the character who knows nothing and seeing them experience Squid Game and how, how they go through it and whatnot. It is going to be looking at a character who is in a different situation in this established story with established power dynamics so i I can get what they're going to aim for and i think it should work it would be hard to execute but the first season was hard to execute too so it's probably worth it and there's no way they weren't going to make a second season after it became the number one show on on the whole platform right so they're going to have to do something i i think there's i think there's more hope than 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 just doing a repeat though i don't think it's going to be that
0: Okay, James, three stories to take us home. Let's start with uh, the awful news coming out from uh, the music festival Astral World. And this was the news that eight people died and hundreds were injured yeah. after a crush at the Travis Scott gig. So there have now been multiple lawsuits launched uh, against the rapper and against uh, mm-hmm. surprise performer Drake, actually. Uh, Accusing them of inciting the crowds and also against the uh, producer of the show, Live Nation, uh, for failing to provide adequate safety measures. There were hundreds of videos on YouTube, on social media, showing these crowds surging to the front at the start of uh, the set and the rappers or the performers on stage. As well as, for example, people who climbed scaffolding to alert the cameraman to what was happening with people literally dying. To say, hey, we need to stop the show. Look what's happening over here,
1: it's and it, reaching out for anybody to stop the
0: show. Yeah. essentially, we're ignored, and yes, yeah. eight people have died. The youngest of whom was only fourteen. James, this is uh, this is awful, and yeah. clearly something's gonna have to be done to prevent similar situations like this happening in future. I mean, the
1: fact, the fact is that things are done to prevent this, and like crowd dynamics are just so difficult that there, like this kind of thing happens if the figurehead we've talked about figures a few times, my bad, uh, is not on the right side of the uh, process. So you see all sorts of very good artists end a show or pause a show, I suppose, for much smaller things than this. Certainly, yeah. Anyone who's on the stage can tell what's going on and you see them doing this. Uh, The artists on stage notice things before security does sometimes and they point it out, stuff like that. And of course, all of those videos have been plastered all over the internet since proving this fact. Um, because crowds are so hard to manage and so unpredictable and basically move like a fluid that there's not much you can do unless you have the booming voice and the control of everybody's mood, which one security guard at the front does not a whole team of security guards at the front does not. So you have to turn to the person who has the ultimate power just to shut off the music, turn down the lights and say, we're waiting for a while. And we have someone here, um, who has had several instances of doing the opposite this is just the first time that it's
0: gone this so, so far. So you're talking about Travis Scott here?
1: Yeah, yeah. He's got instances before recorded where he is encouraging crowds to be violent right. or encouraging uh, crowds to ignore security, call on security, this or that, and belittling them and stuff like that. Or It's easy to find. And again, those videos have been plastered across the internet proving that side of it as well. This it, it, is documented. And it kind of, for me, shows a lesson that we can't be forgiving these smaller And I put it in quotes because people are harmed every single time. Errors in these musicians and these artists. If they don't have control over the crowd in a way that is healthy, they shouldn't be allowed to have crowds. So this is a big error in terms of producing the show because you're trusting somebody with people's lives because crowds are dangerous, who has shown that he doesn't care and that the only thing he wants is big drama and a lot of energy and to feel control. Because um, he encourages this stuff. And the encouragement is on the record. So it sucks that it happened again. It sucks that there wasn't anybody there to intervene properly. And I do hope that he is charged with whatever he can be charged with, uh, because of the resulting like, deaths. It's awful.
0: Is it So you, would you say that it is fair to blame Travis Scott for this? Or do you think there are well other he, factors
1: at play? There's, there's a two elements of it. One, you can put him to blame for not doing anything to stop it and for, in fact, in this show and previous shows, just continuing with the set while horrible things are going on that he needs to intervene for because the crowd is his responsibility. But the other side of it is that he does encourage this too, right? Uh, it's not just that he's not doing anything. It's that he's also encouraging this kind of behavior to continue. So that's the part that becomes, can he be charged, is if he is inciting this stuff, he can be charged. Whereas if he's just like neglecting people, it might be a little bit harder to get anything on him and, you know, have any sort of feeling of justice. Um, Which is the interesting lawsuits are the ones that are saying that he was inciting this and therefore is responsible in some way. But if you look at other videos, like we mentioned, of artists who are stopping shows because they see someone like collapsing, or they see a crowd rush occurring and a crush inevitably happening you see that it's just very basic <laughs> to stop it from their situation so it feels so neglectful to not even try that you do want something to be done but like how do you how do you get that kind of justice you, you don't it's so hard to do that
0: okay let's move on let's uh, look at a couple other stories which are Happening in the world at the moment. Let's go to Belarus. Uh, James, a story which uh, perhaps has been Yay. slipping under the radar somewhat because of the uh, bigger stories which have been stealing the limelight, but this is the news that Belarusian authorities yes. have escorted an estimated 1,000 people, most of whom are from the Middle East, to the Polish border mm-hmm. in an escalation of a deadly crisis that's already left uh, hundreds of people desperate to reach the EU, trapped. Between borders mm-hmm. and at least uh, eight people dead. So, yes. videos published earlier in the week showed armed guards guiding a column of people, which included families with children, along a highway yeah. uh, from a, a border town towards a forest that runs alongside uh, the Polish, it well, was essentially Poland. And European <laughs> countries have then been uh, yeah. uh, uh, ac- the Polish Poland accusing Belarus of using these migrants well, yeah. Um, yeah. in a hybrid attack. Now, James, what do you make of all this, and and the fact that yeah, I mean, frankly, this hasn't been well covered. Well, it, weirdly enough, it's got some things
1: in common because they're using a seemingly unrelated act of shepherding migrants uh, to a border as an encouragement of aggression. Um, their intention in in Belarus is to kind of, like, get the EU back uh, for all the sanctions and stuff that, you know, we've
0: rightfully gotten them at the moment, or that the EU has rightfully gotten them at the moment. Sorry, Um, to be clear, the Polish border guards are not taking these migrants either. No, yeah, so, so one... You literally have hundreds of people stuck... In no man's land here. Yeah. One, they're
1: trying to just move migrants on from their country and they've they've been doing this. They have do this to all their neighbours all the time. Greece built a wall, I believe, which, you know, I guess we don't think about too often. Other countries are planning to build walls, I believe, um, to kind of make this less likely to happen. But in the meantime, while they're doing this sort of like, a, all we're doing is passing the migrants over, which is not very human to do in my opinion, uh, they're also being aggressive with the uh, opposing forces, let's say, because they're faking attack, basically. Uh, there's report of them throwing dud grenades across. There's report of them cleaning their guns in a manner that suggests they're aiming them at the forces across the border uh, to the degree that soldiers on the Polish side of the border are having their weapons kind of like taken away or left behind. And replaced with less lethal things, just in case one of them cracks. They are scared on that side of the border, which is the intention of Belarus. They're trying to cause like minor crisis here. They're, they are trying to cause big issues um, on on those two fronts of the migrant front, and then also the like, hey, maybe there's an attack. Uh, so I think the the
0: description is accurate. Yeah. So, James, one final story, because time is disappearing. Let's talk about Kyle Rittenhouse, who was the teenager who shot and killed two people mm-hmm. in the riots in the States last summer. Yes. Uh, the court, which is currently deciding whether or not uh, d- he's guilty of murder yeah, basically, as opposed yeah. to self-defense right yeah as uh been hearing from various witnesses over the last uh, few days and weeks and uh, most recently we've heard from a protester and a volunteer medic who was wounded on the streets of kenosha by kyle rittenhouse testified that um, yeah. he was pointing his gun mm-hmm. at rittenhouse unintentionally eh. um apparently eh. <laughs> when uh rittenhouse shot him yeah james this is um obviously going to roll on and roll on. What's your general thoughts on how this is going? Well, the prosecution
1: brought a very unusual charge um, against Rittenhouse in this instance. And yeah, we haven't talked about this enough. I believe we only talked about it after the initial story when a lot of things were still muddy. Yeah, Um, we did. Where they're aiming to get him done for murder, where you can't really get him done for murder for this. That's not the kind of things that he did wrong here because yeah. he was getting attacked by a crowd. He did shoot at people who were pointing guns at him or attacking him with a skateboard in one instance, but that's still scary and it is So it's going to be pretty unlikely that any of those charges are going to stick, especially since the witnesses are, hey, telling the truth. And it would be very hard for them not to tell the truth because it's all on video. This dude did point his gun at Kyle, who was on the ground. He did take steps towards him, and then he got shot, right? Um, And it's kind of the repeating pattern here of the story is that the prosecution had high aims, not quite sure why, probably to try and satisfy a need for fame or I don't know internet justice the the classic blame there um where they should have been aiming for the things that rittenhouse really did wrong which he did several things wrong he's in possession of a weapon he shouldn't have he's uh be trying to be a vigilante after curfew uh you know it all could have been avoided if, if he wasn't there and yeah it all could have been avoided if the crowd wasn't there too but if the crowd wasn't there kyle wouldn't have been there so you know and his end of it all lands on his head, whereas the other end of it all lands distributed amongst crowd think head. Uh, so it's, it's so strange. I'm expecting that this final witness here, witness three, uh, sorry, witness here, uh, victim in quotes three in the shooting, is going to see his own uh, uh, trials that are coming up kind of change a wee bit. He was hoping to get some money out of the city. For what was going on and um, whereas now he kind of just feels like also a huge idiot who did a whole lot of stuff he shouldn't have done if you're being a medic who's got a gun don't point your gun at people in a vulnerable situation kyle was running away at that point and um, so for me what i've learned is to try and turn my empathy brain on a little bit sooner with these stories because when i heard the initial story it's a situation of seeing an idiot kid take a gun to a place to be a vigilante, which is just a whole bunch of idiot decisions, right? And then that was the end of empathy. I was like, he's an idiot. Everything that happened from there on is obviously his fault because idiots make bad things happen. Whereas I didn't have the empathy part of the brain on where because he was an idiot, he put himself into a dangerous situation where he could then become... A bit more of a grey area where he can become self-defence if he gets
0: attacked, which he did. J- J- I know time is gone, but one question. Do you feel the prosecution were attempting to capitalise on, <laughs> let's say, the the movement that we saw across the states last year, and we're like, yeah, we can get this guy for murder? I
1: don't th- what are they going to get from it? There's nothing to capitalise. They're just paid by the city, tiny wage in comparison to no- other lawyers and stuff, right? What is, like? What was the point in going for a murder charge for a dude who made a bunch of other mistakes And aside from that? It's so strange to me. And all it's going to do is make Rittenhouse all of the more of a, like this, not quite a martyr, which he would have been if he went down, but this kind of figurehead again for all of these gun-crazy, vigilante-crazy, right-wing types who love this kind of stuff. Where it's just a tragedy. And the lesson learned is don't bring a gun to a place where you shouldn't be anyway, right? But that's not going to be the lesson everyone learns. Everyone's going to learn this lesson of, like, well, clearly being the vigilante is really good, actually, because the court found him innocent. Oh, man. So it's this horrible situation. Uh, and, yeah, like, I'm upset at myself as well for how I interpreted the initial story. I kind of hate that. Um, and it's far more murky than, than it really has any right to be, because... In a world where you bring a weapon to a fight and people end up dying, it feels like you should be more culpable than just, like, what, what he's going to end up paying, which is probably misdemeanor fines and stuff like that. But you never know. We'll see how the rest of the trial goes. There's no way they're getting any of these murder charges, which isn't surprising. Because um, this wasn't even on the defense side. This was still while prosecution had the floor. This was cross-examining This was cross the prosecution's witness, and the trial is already done. I, I, the chat is that the defence doesn't even need to do anything. They're, they could just go straight to verdict at this point. Um, and I don't know what the future holds, but Kyle's set. He's going to get free money for the rest of his life because he's this like new figurehead of a whole movement, I bet. And, 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 and I bet, and I'm not pleased. He doesn't deserve that.
0: He was a complete idiot. Okay. Well, talking of figureheads of movements, we are the figureheads of Scotland's longest running Season one of any podcast ever. I thought you we were going to do some sort of poo joke. I really did. I'm too tired to finish the rest of that tagline. But anyway, Seesaw Parade is here for you. <laughs> and it's for here for you to get in touch and tell us what uh, what is on your mind. Yes. And what you disagree with, agree with, would like to chip in with. At Seesaw Parade on Twitter. Seesaw Parade at gmail.com. James, thank you very much for your time. I will see oh, you. Thank you for the less sexy number of 270 next week. (laughs) It's far less sexy. It's a shame. Goodbye. Bye.